Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And it's Monday. That's the day of the week we read back messages from the mailbag, stuff you have sent in to our account, which, if you'd like to get in touch, is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. You can write in for any reason. If you've got uh, feedback on a recent episode, if you want to share something interesting, if you just want to say hello, any of that's fair game, email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Rob, would you like to kick us off with this message about uh, the monster fact? Sure. This one comes to us from Tim. Tim says, hi, Stuff to Blow Your Mind team. I love the podcast, and I am particularly excited for the monster fact episodes featuring Warhammer 40,000 or Warhammer 40K. I've never been into the games, but the lore of that realm is creepy cool and fascinatingly weird, so I can't wait to hear more. And then Tim goes on and says, when you make multi-part episodes, I'm always especially keen to listen to them because you guys get really deep into the topic. I've often heard about the concepts before, so a shorter, shallower handling would just be rehashing. I let them stack before listening to them all, though, so if the name could include part X of Y or part X slash Y, that would help my arrangement of listening time so I can fully engage with the topic rather than being left unsatisfied, having jumped into a two-parter only to find out that there's a third part teasing my brain with incompleteness. If possible, practical, please and thank you. Keep up the great work. You make my monotonous hours at a lab bench at work far more interesting. Regards, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Uh, I'd say if we could do that with the uh, episode uh, numbering, we would, but we don't always know how many parts we're going to do when we start a series. So sometimes we'll think that uh, it's going to be two parts, but then, you know, we're recording part two and we realize we've got a lot more stuff that we've turned up and we'd like to get into. So it, it ends up going to three. 
Uh, so yeah, but by the time we publish the first part, we don't always know how deep we're going to go. I guess I could go in and add part X of Y to a description, uh, if not the title, then certainly the description mm -hmm. after the fact, like once we've completed a particular journey. Um, I hadn't really thought to do that before, but I don't think there's any practical reason why I couldn't do that. And certainly why we couldn't do that when we re-air those episodes the following year. So mm, um, yeah. there might there might be some things we can do. But yeah, most of the time we just we do not know if it's gonna be sometimes we think it's gonna be one episode and then it becomes three. Hey, though, on the other hand, to bring up something that we mentioned in last week's listener mail, uh, Tim, you, you know, you listen to the show at your own pace. You listen whenever you want to. That's all up to you. But we have been told by people here at the company that there are some cases where uh, listeners may be affected by waiting to catch up on episodes that like some platforms such as Apple Podcast may stop downloading episodes of our show into your feed, even if you're subscribed, if you haven't consumed the most recent X number of episodes, it might be like five episodes or something. And so this apparently sometimes affects numbers if people are waiting to catch up or letting episodes stack up before they binge them. Obviously, if that's the way you want to listen, that's fine. But if you do want to help the show out and make sure that nothing like that happens to you and, uh, you know, you're, you're always getting new shows of ours in your feed, it is apparently helpful for you to be current on the show. So if, if you want to help us out and help yourself out to make sure you're always getting new stuff, that's a thing you can do. Absolutely. And uh, and Tim, thanks for the kind words on the Monster Fact episodes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep, I, I did a three-parter on the Tyranids of Warhammer 40,000. And uh, yeah, I heard some nice things from some folks. So I'm, I might return to the Warhammer world uh, for future monster episodes uh, after skipping around back into mythology and folklore and so forth. All right, what's that I hear, Joe? It sounds like sleigh bells. Ooh, yeah, we got a straggler from the holidays. That This always happens when it's like February and we're still getting <laughs> episodes related to uh, just sort of a Christmas time or whatever, which, you know, we're always getting feedback about stuff that came out a couple months ago, but it's just especially funny when it's Christmas themed. Well, this time it has to do with eggnog. And in a way, it's fitting because as we discussed in the eggnog episode, egg-based alcoholic beverages used to be consumed just year-round. That's right. Yeah, to protect you from the fog drafts while you're walking to work in the morning or setting out on a long journey from an inn in Maryland. Uh, so anyway, this is from Bianca. Bianca says, hi, guys, I'm a bit behind on my podcast listening. I just listened to your eggnog episode and was quite surprised when you mentioned that eggnog is considered a drink for everybody in the U.S., I live in Austria, and I would say that here it is mostly thought of as an alcoholic drink. I've never encountered a non-alcoholic version in the stores, although I'm sure it exists. I thought it interesting considering you mentioned that in the early days of eggnog, it was also thought of as an alcoholic drink first and foremost. Yeah, the, the earliest references to eggnog seem to be exclusively references to a hard, boozy drink, not, mm -hmm. not something that's uh, sold in cartons and given to children. Bianca says, although I am no expert, I would guess it has at least partially to do with the German name for eggnog, which is Eierlicker. Uh, <laughs> I think that means egg liquor. Uh, the liquor part literally translates to liquor in English. The alcohol is therefore already in the name, but I suppose that's not the whole story. Also, people seem to have an ambivalent opinion about eggnog. I do not drink alcohol myself, but I recall uh, many people telling me they do not like it. Yeah, people seem to buy it in heaps when it's Christmas time, so there must be something to it, I guess. Keep doing what you're doing. Really enjoy listening to your show. Greetings from Austria, Bianca. Well, um, 
I know as a as a grown up, when you have a glass of eggnog that is also spiked, um, it is often my experience that I will have this beverage and I will find it lovely, but afterwards there's almost a sense of shame for having consumed it because you realize, yeah. oh wow, that was that was rich, uh, that was a lot, and I probably shouldn't have another glass of that this year. It's just a nice boozy mug of melted ice cream. <laughs> It's great, but I mean, maybe that has something to do with people being ambivalent about it. And then I don't know, I, you know, it's easy to be ambivalent about anything that's tied up and they just, the, the over-celebration of the holidays um, in, in many parts of, uh, of the U.S. and the Western world. So, uh, you know, everyone's going to have their own uh, opinion of the matter. Okay, we got a message about our episodes on the reptiles of the Galapagos. This is from Sean. Sean says, hey, guys, I'm an archaeologist in New York State. I just listened to the Galapagos reptile episodes. I was struck by the urine intensive nesting. I uh, remember this was uh, in the section about the nesting habits of the Galapagos uh, tortoises where they would uh, when it, when one of the females would come and lay a clutch of eggs. Um, I don't know if clutch is the right word, lay a, lay some number of eggs <laughs> in the sand. They would like dig out a hole and then lay the eggs and then bury it and pee on it and use the urine to form a kind of cement there. So Sean says, I was struck by the urine intensive nesting. It reminded me of the North American pack rat whose burrows are lined with urine to make almost a natural cement. Fossil burrows are handy for archaeology, little time capsules. Maybe you've done a show on these guys already, but if not, might be interesting. Love the show, Sean. Sean, I think that is a fantastic idea. The pack rat is a really weird and interesting animal when you look at their middens. Yeah, Rob, I don't know how much you've read about these guys, but the, these little rats. So they'll often make nests in like caves or crevices, but then I think they can also uh, find uh, similar kinds of uh, wedge-like spaces in, in human-built structures, and they will just fill them up with these, uh, you know, with just junk, all different kinds of things they find from the environment, packing them in and then peeing on them to form a kind of cement. I think like the sugars and other kind of chemicals in the urine help crystallize all the stuff together, and it's like a, it's, it's like a pea-made skyscraper in like a wedge in a rock. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember researching something about them, but I can't remember if it was for uh, a text-based piece or for a past episode of the show. Um, at any rate, it's, a, it's, it's certainly something that would be fun to explore or re-explore on the podcast. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. 
Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here is one uh, that comes to us from Rusty in response to our episode or episodes on animals and then ultimately humans throwing things. Rusty says, Robert and Joe, thanks for all your work on the pod. A wide selection of interesting topics is appreciated. As a lover of all things to do with evolutionary biology, I enjoy the series on animals throwing things. As I'm sure many other listeners are also animal lovers, I thought I'd share with them my personal favorite example of creatures tossing things around. Part of courtship among toucans can involve an adorable game of catch. A gift of a small berry or nut will be offered, sometimes being passed back and forth multiple times. In some species, this can escalate into whipping their enormous beaks around to catapult the object toward the potential mate from a distance. Presumably, the repeated throwing and catching acts as a fitness test for eye-beak coordination and fine motor control. Thanks again, Rusty. I will point out, Rob, that we we usually don't include last names when people say them, but this is obviously a pseudonym because this listener uh, wrote in under the name Rusty Shackleford, which is the, the <laughs> fake name that Dale Gribble always gives in King of the Hill. Oh, okay. I, I, 
I didn't realize that. I, I don't think I ever watched too much King of the Hill, uh, so I didn't catch the reference. Oh, it's great. Dale Gribble is the uh, the lovable, paranoid sovereign citizen oh, of the yes, street. Yes. And so anytime somebody uh, in any official capacity asks his name, he gives a fake one. And it's usually Rusty Shackelford. Okay. Okay. I know which character you're talking about. Yeah. Well, this is a great example, though, involving toucans. Um, uh, toucans have a lot of personality, so I enjoy watching them whenever I have the chance. Usually it's, you know, obviously a... Uh, a captive environment, but I have gotten to see them in the wild on occasion. And uh, yeah, amazing birds. I had no idea about this throwing thing. I'm going to have to look this up. So thank you, Rusty. (laughs) All right. This next message is from Scott. It's about our episodes on horror vacui or fear of the void. Scott writes, at the end of your last episode on Horovakui, you mentioned that there are several possible meanings of nothing which need to be distinguished, and that confusions might result from not doing this. This perked my ears because it's a common example of what in philosophy has has uh, become known as contextualism, the idea that the meaning of many terms depends on their context. Though often they can be rigorously defined given that context. For example, the box is empty may mean one thing if said in a class discussing quantum physics, another in a physics lab attaching a vacuum hose to the box, a third to a child shaking a decorated cube under a Christmas tree. Furthermore, the phrase, this room is clean, may mean one thing uh, from a child to a parent after wiping up some spilled sugar, another to a maid speaking to a house owner, and a third to a manager of a semiconductor factory. It's not just that the word has metaphorical meanings, which don't apply across all contexts, like an FBI agent speaking of a filthy bathroom where, alas, no drugs were found, but that the word can, in some sense, mean the same thing in each context, devoid of something, but how clean or empty it must be depends on the context. Another common application is to the word knowledge. I know it is safe to do X has one set of standards when playing a game where little is at stake, another when spoken in the control room of a nuclear reactor, and a third when said in a philosophy class discussing Cartesian skepticism. Scott. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, Scott. Yeah, so I think nothing would be subject to contextualism in these different kinds of discussions. Like, so a box that, uh, you know, you might say that there's nothing in a box when actually it's just full of atmosphere, or you might sort of meaning the same thing, but just applying a higher level of rigor, say there's nothing in a box when it is fully evacuated of, of atmosphere and just, just a vacuum inside. I mean, assuming that we're possible, again, when you're talking about a vacuum inside a container, it's always just lower and lower gas pressure. Uh, but then you would also have another level of like, there's nothing in a box, meaning there's not even space in there. And in that case, I don't even know what that would mean. Maybe that's an oxymoron or not an oxymoron, I don't know, a, an incoherent uh, claim. Hmm. But I also think uh, this last example you use about knowledge is a great one, that like you can use the word know to mean totally different things in, in different contexts, even or not totally different things, but just having different levels of rigor for what counts as knowledge. And uh, people leverage exactly this equivocation in arguments and conversations all the time. This is a major type of argument by equivocation. Of course, equivocation is using the same word two different ways in two different steps of your argument. So you can basically 
try to undermine or refute anything anybody believes by just saying like, well, do you really know that for sure? And of course, any reasonable person, like if you pry them like that, will start admitting, well, like, no, I don't have a hundred percent certainty on anything I think I believe, you know, that kind of Cartesian skepticism level of certainty where like you can only believe things that are a logical necessity. Uh, and then you try to leverage that against them just believing something to be true, believing they have knowledge about something the same way we have knowledge about all kinds of things in our everyday lives. And that's that's really a kind of illicit move because the level of certainty that you need for everyday knowledge is a lot lower. And yet it still justifies all, all the normal knowledge beliefs you have. You know, how do you know like anything you see in front of you is actually there? I mean, there, there's no real reason to doubt that. Unless you just put on a VR headset or something. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just have a you, you have a bad potato or a, <laughs> a bad stew or something, right? There's something wrong with your gruel. Yeah, a bit of cheese, why. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? There's more gravy than grave about you? Yes. <laughs> All right. Should we do a couple uh, related to Weird House Cinema? Sure. Yes. This one comes to us from Andrew. Andrew says, hi, guys, love the show, etc., etc. I was a little disappointed in the both of you when you were discussing instances in film of normally populated areas being depopulated for effect, and neither of you mentioned the airport in the 100% solid gold classic TV miniseries, The Langoliers. You can make it up to me by featuring The Langoliers on Weird House Cinema. There's a character whose personality is that he's hungry. <laughs> there are meatballs <laughs> that eat the past. It's a no-brainer for Weird House. Please and thank you. Andrew. There are meatballs that eat the past. That is, I think, a literal description of the monsters in the Langoliers is that they are like CGI hairy meatballs who fly around eating time. <laughs> now, I, the weird thing is, I remember when this came out, this came out in 95, TV miniseries. And it has, at least looking back on it now, has a pretty solid cast. You got the likes of Frankie Faison and Dean Stockwell in it, David Morris. Um, and some others uh, of note. Um, but I never saw it. I, I read the novella, though, and I remember loving the novella. Uh, in, it came out in a, one of those uh, King uh, collections of like four novellas or something. I forget which one it was. But I remember really digging the Langoliers. I totally pictured the meatballs as the critters from uh, the, the Krites from the Critters <laughs> movies. I, I don't think... The, the 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 original uh, novella was very shy about this. It seemed like they were just basically the Krites. Uh -huh. uh, but I and I remember enjoying it. It being kind of like this fun Stephen King Twilight Zone episode sort of story. I don't think I realized it was based on a novella, or if I ever knew that, I had forgotten. I I would have assumed it was straight to TV. There was a whole thing in the 80s through the 90s of this vibe that was the TV adaptation of Stephen King. So I'm not talking about Stephen King novels adapted into R-rated movies to go in the theater, but mm -hmm. Stephen King novels made as a multi as a like a mini series to be on TNT or ABC or something. Uh, didn't they, they did the stand, I think, and they, they did the Langoliers and wasn't even it wasn't the original it movie a made for TV miniseries? Uh, it certainly was. Yeah. Um, there was also Golden Years in there. Golden Years was uh, like an original screenplay, if memory serves, from Stephen King and uh, was not finished. I remember thinking it was amazing when it came out uh, because I was just really excited for Stephen King TV content. But nobody else was excited about this, I don't think. 
They did one for Rose Red. Uh, that I think that was the end of the two thousands. They did. Let's see. The, oh, oh, the Shining, not the one, not the Kubrick mm-hmm. one, but the one that was quote more faithful to the book. That was a TV miniseries, wasn't it? With the guy yeah, from yeah. Wings on it. Yeah, yeah, that was the guy from Wings, not Wings Hauser. That would have been a different. Oh uh, my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. should have had Wings Hauser as Jack Torrance. <laughs> Uh, the actor in question is Steven Weber, who uh, is a fine actor. He's He's been in some things I've really loved. He's in one of my favorite episodes of Tales from the Crypt titled uh, Morning Mess or Morning Mess about uh, ghouls eating people in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he was maybe kind of a favorite uh, actor of, of Stephen King's or is a favorite actor of Stephen King's because I remember Stephen King. Uh, there's a Stephen King episode of the 90s Outer Limits series. And I think he played, if memory serves on this, he plays the voice of and the picture in a picture frame that keeps talking to this lady after she gets shot in the head. Whoa. It's a Christmas episode. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm still thinking even more. Wasn't the Toby Hooper Salem's Lot adaptation actually a made-for-TV miniseries? I believe it was, yeah. I think that was. That was also not uh, not a theatrical release. Um, and Tommy was, Knockers was another. Oh, my God, yes. Tommy Knockers. There were so many of them. Yeah, I mean, part of it's probably these are some some long books. So if you're gonna yeah. you start adapting them, and then you quickly realize, I don't think this is a film, guys. I think this is a miniseries, and I'm sure we're missing some prime examples as well. Yeah, I just think that's so funny that like a popular author noted for very R-rated grotesquerie in the source material, it was so associated with made-for-TV content. Yeah, like hey, coming back to the Langoliers, for example, it's a TV miniseries. It's two episodes. So, um, again, I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm not even sure how long each episode is off the top of my head. I'd have to look at the, and, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not finding, oh, here it is. It looks like each episode is an hour and 30 minutes. So we're talking a three-hour movie here, which mm-hmm. I guess nowadays, especially people are like, yeah, aren't all movies three hours? Um, that that's, seems like how, how long I spend in the movie theater if I go to one, um, not counting the commercials. And the, yeah, the three trailers. and a half hours once the trailers are in there. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's if you're going to tell the, the whole story, you're either going to have to, yeah, you're either going to have to cut it down or you're going to have to figure out how you're going to fit it. Uh, and at the time, maybe they just didn't fit into the movie theaters. I don't know. Maybe the argument could be made that Langoliers is not something you want to actually have in theaters. Maybe it is more ultimately of a TV, um, a TV project. And certainly it's very Twilight Zonesy in its uh, styling. So uh, maybe it makes sense. Do do we have Peter Jackson to thank for that, that like it's just normal for movies to be three hours long now? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that would be an interesting um, discussion to look at, you know, lo- long films and especially, I guess, key to what we're talking about here, long major U.S. releases as yeah. opposed to like long art films and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Open question, at least for for us. Okay, Rob, I think you've got to do this one from Eric because it's on a subject that I know is dear to your heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. This one's from Eric. This is via Discord. Okay. Um, so if, if you want to join the Stuff to Blow Your Mind Discord, just email us. Uh, we're going to share the email address in a bit, and we'll send you the link. That seems to be the way it works best uh, for folks to join it. Uh, but anyway, Eric writes and says... Uh, I started listening to the last Starfighter episode, and I have to pay respects to your kind words about Underworld 3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I feel like I never see anyone praising any of those movies. I myself am a fan of the first three, actually, uh, the three Underworld films. Uh, But I agree with your comments about it actually being a good prequel. I usually have a disdain for many prequels right out of the gate since they typically seem to exist only to be a cash grab. The powers that be need to make another buck but don't know how to push a story forwards, so they go backwards. No doubt Underworld 3 exists for these reasons. However, Underworld 3, I thought, did a really good job at making a good prequel, expanding on a little bit of info we got in the first film. Also, Michael Sheen's Lucian is a great character. Sorry, a little random, haha. I was listening and was like, whoa, someone else actually likes an Underworld movie! Exclamation point. I have seen no Underworld movies, but Rob, I I really appreciate how you know the 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 uh, some of the the camp movies that you champion are not only like the the ones that have become cult classics. They're like, folks, you should know that I was once invited to Rob's house to watch Chronicles of Riddick, and <laughs> we it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, I still stand by Chronicles of Riddick, and this I think feels this is I would put this in a sim- these films in a similar category. So I, I still need to rewatch Underworld 3 this decade. Uh, so I'm not super fresh on it, but I do remember it fondly. It has the two best actors from the first Underworld movie, Michael Sheen and Bill Nye, uh, who are both marvelous actors, and, and but very versatile. They can both play, uh, I mean, Michael Sheen, for example, uh, we think of him for playing more dramatic or certainly even over-the-top comedic roles. Uh, but in Underworld 3, he's like this ripped action star. Um, mm. And of course, Bill Nye is the same way. He can play a very uh, you know, relatable, compassionate figure. He can be a, uh, he, he can play comedy, and he can also play uh, just a, a vile vampire lord. Anyway, so those those actors get to have a lot of screen time, um, and I feel like the, the 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 plot of the movie works well with the inherent limitations of a prequel, at least in my recollection. I was just thinking about what I know Michael Sheen from. I really, I think he's read at least one audio book that I really enjoyed, but I can't remember what it was. I associate him with being a good audio book reader. Uh, may have to come back to that, but I know he's also uh, he's in some of those Twilight sequels where he <laughs> he like hangs. Isn't he? Am yes. I wrong about that? No, no, he is. He plays a vampire lord in in those movies. Yes. Okay. But a very, like, aristocratic and fancy right. uh, It is lord. regrettable that we must kill you, that kind of, yeah. 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 He has some sort of over-the-top character in that uh, that Tron remake slash sequel that they did as well. So oh. the, he can go yeah, very broad in his performances, <laughs> uh, but can also, like, really, you know, again, very versatile performer. Uh, he had a fun role on 30 Rock playing... Um, a character by the name of Wesley Snipes, who was a, uh, a British man that Liz Lemon dates. And it was it was a fun, uh, a fun, I guess, lower key kind of comedic performance. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll come back around to, to Underworld. But I couldn't just throw you right into Underworld 3 if we were to do Weird House. You'd, I guess you'd have to see Underworlds 1 through 2. Mm. And, and then there are additional Underworlds. I think it goes up to 5, but I only saw the first 3. After the third one, I was like, okay, this is... This is as good as it's going to get, so I'm I'm done. As good as this franchise can get, I need to uh, add that caveat. I'm not talking about cinema in general. Well, wait, this is kind of contra- The last time you were talking to me about the Underworld movies, you said skip one, skip two, and go to three. And I was like, hey, this is the same thing you should do with the Fast and the Furious movies. Well, I guess you could. It is a prequel. But then again, I mean, I look back and I remember really enjoying the first one when it came out. Mm-hmm. and And a lot of people did not enjoy it. <laughs> 
Um, so, and I don't know. I don't know if I would be up for rewatching the first one at this point, but I remember liking it back in the day. I remember the second one was uh, I, I was less into and found it kind of um, I, don't know, I just couldn't immerse myself in it. And then I enjoyed three. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll still I'll still stick with that. Yeah, just just skip to three. Or start with two. I don't know. It's, you can you can forge your own path through the franchise. Okay. Do we need to wrap up there for today? Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to go ahead and close everything out. But we'll be back with more. We have more listener mail that we didn't get to in this episode, and more of it will keep coming in. Uh, thanks to you, fine listeners. So yeah, let let us have it. Keep uh, sending in your listener mail. Send in your thoughts on past, present, and future episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, Weird House Cinema, The Monster Fact, or just other episodes of Listener Mail. We'd love to hear from you. We read it all, even if we don't read it um, on Listener Mail or uh, respond to you personally. Huge thanks to our audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.